0: Tonight, as we continue our Lent series, we've been in this uh, looking at garden scenes through um, our season of Lent. Tonight, we're looking at actually kind of two different ones. Um, thus far, we've been in narrative portions of the of the Bible, looking at things that are described as um, as they were happening. And um, with tonight, it's it's really parables uh, or a song in Isaiah and a parable. That Jesus tells in Luke 20. So it's a little bit different, uh, but we're in the same kind of uh, agricultural scene as we were in last week. Last week was Naboth's Vineyard, and tonight, the Vineyard of God. The Vineyard of God, Isaiah's song, it really is about Israel. And Isaiah 5 begins with these words, let me sing a song for my beloved, my love song concerning his vineyard. His being God's vineyard, my beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. So a vineyard, it's kind of a garden. Um, and again, with uh, similar to Naboth's vineyard, uh, the three most important things in real estate, location, location, location. So here this vineyard is on a very fertile hill. We've had uh, opportunity over the last uh, several years to visit some places where there's where there are vineyards here in the region. Been up through Napa and seen vineyards on hillsides that are just spectacular. And seen other ones in other places, including um, Livermore. And we've been around there and visited several. And uh, beautiful places, beautiful vines, old growth vines growing on hillsides there. Just uh, good conditions, fertile ground, plenty of sun, enough water, but not too much um, with the, the altitude um, or elevation, I guess I should say, and the temperatures, and this is just a really good place for vines, for grapes to be grown. It's a, a fertile space for, for uh, grapes, and the fruit is good, and, well, the wine is good as well. That condition that we find locally is pretty similar to what uh, to the feel you get from Isaiah chapter five, verse two says he dug it, cleared it of stones, and planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower in the midst of it, and hewed out a, a wine vat in it. These were the, the expectation was for grapes that were good for the production of wine. Otherwise, the wine vat has no place in this area, in this vineyard space that's, that's protected with the watchtower to, to watch out for enemies, for wild animals, or for whatever threat may come, and it's, it's the, the vineyard of God. Jesus in Luke 20 tells a parable really about his people and uses the vineyard as the parable analogy begins in verse 9, a man planted a vineyard and led it out to tenants and went into another country for a long while. When there's a man or a master in the parables that, God, that Jesus tells, often is it, it's God himself, it's um, is the man, right? And so here it is, the man who owns the vineyard, planted the vineyard, owns the vineyard, and leaves. This is how uh, this kind of sets up the parable, what we know just immediately looking at a parable of this type, that this is an, an image of God that we are seeing, a description, uh, an, an analogy pointing out the character of God or uh, his relationship with people. And that's what we view here. The target of this parable is actually the Pharisees, and we learn that toward the end. Um, they're in the audience. They're hearing this, and they are the ones who are like, wait, that's not us, um, at the end of the, of the parable. They're the tenants, really, who leased out the vineyard, expected to be stewards of what God had made, really. His people, his nation, is what God had made. The, the nation of Israel was what was in view with the the vineyard in Isaiah 5 and and the people of God, still Israel, in Luke 20. The Pharisees were teachers of the law, And the law was what God gave for the benefit of his people. So as people who were leading, in charge, the Pharisees had this role and responsibility to be good stewards and take care of what God had provided, what God had made. But the question is, where are the grapes? It's a question that can be posed in both readings. Where are the grapes? The vineyard God planted yielded wild grapes. That's in Isaiah 5. Where's the fruit? You can judge a tree by its fruit. You can judge a vine by the fruit it produces. How are the people living really is is the question that we can ask. The fruit to show for God's care was nowhere to be found. The fruit that should have been among God's people. People are are quick to forget God's blessings. Easily distracted. When things are going great, it's easy to forget who has provided, who has protected, who has blessed, who has set up what we enjoy, who is even creator of all that we know, all that we experience. Life itself is from God. It's easy to get distracted from that when life is great and there are no problems. And that's really where Israel had found itself. Once they had come up from Egypt, while they were in Egypt under slavery, they were crying out to God, of course, when they're suffering, we ask for help. And they come up from Egypt and there's the conquest of the land. Well, there's the 40 years of wandering the wilderness, during which they grumbled from time to time. but. They were in communication with, connected with God. There was a conquest of the land and the people got settled and being settled in the land and the territory enlarged the kingdom and having kings leading and, well, it seems like a, a, a cycle, a cyclical way that the people of Israel would live, that they would, they would repent and come to God and things would turn in their favor then things would go well for a while and and they would forget and fall back into patterns of patterns of behavior that God didn't enjoy patterns of idolatry that he certainly couldn't enjoy it's hard to walk in the way of the lord consistently all the time now it's easy for us in our armchairs of our or sitting on our couches maybe tonight to scoff at Israel. They should have known. But before we get too far down that road, we have to ask the question, are we better? Have we always borne the fruit of faith? Have we always been in touch with God? Have we always done the things we should do? Now, maybe we haven't fallen into patterns of idolatry. I mean, we're gathered here in a virtual worship service on a Wednesday night. But are we always Yielding the fruit. That when we, when we step back, when we think about it, we know God desires. Turning to the parable again, the tenants in the parable returned no fruit. That's not how tenant farmers are supposed to act. That's not what they're supposed to do. If you're a tenant farmer, the agreement is you farm, you grow, and whatever it is you're growing or farming A portion of it is the rent. There's a a relationship there where the owner takes his part, his cut, because he owns it. It's his. Well, the servants that were sent were turned away empty-handed, abused, mistreated, and the owner decides to send his son whom the tenants killed. It's a passion prediction here, not really hidden in this parable, but Jesus certainly knew the plans of the Pharisees, the goals and the things that they had in mind for him. As stewards of what God had made of his people, they had the obligation to be bearing fruit and the son came, well, to... To let them know. And they had in mind to do exactly what this parable describes. That the tenants did to the sons. Or the son of the owner. So what is God to do? God asked this question in, in Isaiah chapter 5 verse 4. What more was there to do for my vineyard that I have not done in it? God had created He had supplied, he had made Israel, his vineyard, his choice vine. Out of all of the world, God chose this people. Why? We don't actually know. It was his sovereign choice. But he asked this question, what more should he have done? It's really a rhetorical question. Is there more God should have done than what he had done? He had already done it all, redemption and rescue. He had faithfully led his people, but how quickly they forgot. And so God announces a dreadful plan. Verse 5, and now I tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will remove its hedge, and it shall be devoured. I will break down its wall, and it shall be trampled down. And Isaiah 5 goes on to talk about making it a waste and briars and thorns and no rain. But what about his promise? I will never leave you nor forsake you. This sounds like forsaken ground that this trampled vine would be in with no hedge, no wall, no protection, not even rain. Did God carry out that plan? Did he let his vineyard get restored, or sorry, destroyed? The answer is yes. Isaiah lived at a time uh, toward the end of God's people living in the land. Exile was coming. Babylon was coming. The enemies of God to the north and east. Here, I'll point it in the direction that makes more sense from your side were coming and they were going to invade and carry off God's people because the protection, the hedge around the vineyard would be torn down and the vineyard would be trampled. What was the vineyard owner to do in the parable? Verses 15 and 16. What then will the owner of the vineyard do to them, to the tenants, the ones who killed his son? Verse 16 says, he will come and destroy those tenants and give the vineyard to others. The Pharisees and others like them had mistreated the prophets, and Jesus knew their intentions toward him. How easy it is for us to even point at them, at the Pharisees. How wrong they were. But we've received God's instructions have we always followed. Have we been good stewards of what God has made and given to us as his people? But tonight, and in this season of Lent, we we rest on on the character of God, that God remains faithful, because the church is God's vineyard now. The, The church is Israel today, God's people Is the church. We are Israel. We are God's vineyard. So sometimes we collectively do well as God's church. But other times we should confess that we do fail to do the things that God would lead us to do. Sometimes we judge others in ways that aren't right or aren't fair. Sometimes we protect our territory, we want to we protect what we have as the church, and, well, the culture outside might seem like it's an enemy, so we build barriers and walls between ourselves as church and people who are outside the church. Other times we let our pride or ambition take over. And there's so many other ways that God's church has its own problems its own issues. The Son comes to us through our failures and in our successes to bring us grace, to remind us of his presence, to serve us through the good gifts that he gives. Let us receive the Son and honor him. And let's bear the fruit that displays our faith, our love, our hope, our repentance till God restores the garden. Till the garden is restored. Let us demonstrate our faith by the stewardship of what he has given us, selflessly living and showing the love that we've received from God. Amen.